0: This is Higher Ed Heroes with Dr. Sebastian Kemp and Dr. Alistair Stark. Hi and welcome to Higher Ed Heroes, our podcast series that zooms into all those little things we can do in our university classrooms. The little things that can make a big difference. My name is Seb and as always I'm being joined by my friend and colleague, the flabbergastingly energetic Al.
1: Hi everybody. The series is really motivated by... Our belief that what matters in the classroom are those little things that enhance student experience. Those little things that you do in your classrooms that transform them into something special. At university we talk a lot about different things related to teaching, budgets, policy, course design. But we don't often get the space to chat about those little transformations that really bring things to life. Little examples of good practice that have a big impact.
0: And that's the purpose of our podcast. Meeting up with great teachers, talking about what they do in their classroom with the hope that it not only inspires Al and me, but our listeners as well. And when we have these conversations, we want to have a
1: jargon-free conversation. We want to leave the jargon to our teaching committees. So, no buzzwords, no phrases like research-led teaching, or work-integrated learning, or blended learning. And when we hear those phrases, we have a very specific response. No,
2: no, no!
1: Because
0: we want to talk in everyday terms about those little things. As you know, in this series, we have now decided to go beyond UQ, beyond our faculty, sometimes beyond Australia, but also we have a clear home here at UQ. And so we're very pleased to be on home turf and, and meet here in the studio with Blake McKimmy, who is a professor in the School of Psychology here at the University of Queensland. And we want to talk to Blake about how to think about redesigning your courses and redesign the way that students learn. Blake, welcome. Thanks very much. We have chatted a lot about what you do in your classroom. And one thing I find fascinating is how you actually spend the first week in your courses talking to students, not about psychology, you talk about learning and how they learn.
2: It sort of struck me that for a long time I was, I was hoping students would sort of study in a particular way or, you know, really understand what I wanted them to do. And then I realised I'd actually never told them what I wanted them to do. <laughs> I'd kind of figured they'd guess it based on, you know, setting up your assessments and your lectures and so on. But it was a bit of an epiphany when I realised there's no way they would actually know what I'm trying to get at unless I just sat down and talked to them about that. So that's kind of how we start off the course is we spend the first week... Not only giving them a practice about the things we want them to do, but actually setting out the logic and asking them about how they study as well so we can kind of see what they're doing and and whether that is lined up with what we're hoping they'll do. Mm, And how exactly are you doing this? I
0: think it's through
2: Wordle? One of the things we talk to them about are what are sort of effective ways of studying and, and what are some of the ways that they might be spending a lot of time, but it might not be that effective. And so we just ask them to put in you know, their top... Three most effective things that they think helps them learn uh, and then we put it up as a, a word cloud on screen and we um, sort of talk with the class about which of the things that they commonly do are effective and which ones are not effective.
1: It's actually an interactive conversation you're not telling them how to learn you're having a conversation.
2: Yeah and we I mean we do get to the point where we kind of tell them <laughs> what to do but it's more sort of not just starting off with just telling him do it this way but trying to sort of talk through the issues of why people do the things they do because they think they'll be effective when they might not actually be. So, you know, like note-taking is one of the big ones, rewriting notes, rereading notes. Um, These are all the sorts of things we've kind of designed the course to discourage. So we don't want students spending a lot of time doing them because we're not actually setting the course up for those behaviours to, you know, be successful. You know, Mm -hmm. we've got other things we want them to do instead.
1: It's such a simple thing, though, isn't it? But it seems so important to do. We we get straight into the subject matter without thinking
0: about structures, ways of learning. What are the ways in which they learn, then, in your course?
2: I'm worried about the buzzword buzzer, and that I might, <laughs> might okay. have to press it. I'm excited. Um, it. I mean, it's not that note-taking is completely ineffective. It's just very time-consuming, and so is uh, rewriting notes. And so there are things they can spend their time doing which work better, and things like retrieval practice... For the last time, <laughs> no. And so Thanks. what that basically means is just having people practicing uh, in via tests and quizzes uh, their knowledge of a subject. So asking them questions and getting them to
1: try and answer them. I didn't think that was that much of a buzzword. I would have let that slide, but Bake buzzed himself
0: there, which I appreciated. Yeah. I, was,
2: I was keen to try out the buzzer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can obviously tell us about some additional things that they do, even if it uh, means hitting the buzzer more. That's all right.
2: <laughs> what we've done is built into the course lots of opportunities for students to test their own knowledge in the context of it not earning any marks or you know later on you know where they can achieve marks in the course through tests as well so they, they can do multiple tests each week and
1: in different formats as well my question in relation to the self testing is how how much uptake do you get? Is it is it used quite a lot inside the course?
2: Well, we so we do it every week, and they actually get two lots of tests every week online. So one is uh, the one they do before they watch the material online, uh, and that's not for marks. It's really to help them orient themselves towards you know what they're about to hear and see in the videos, uh, and then they do uh, another test after they watch the videos to try and assess how much they've learned from those videos. Now the questions for both of these tests come from the same pool of source uh, other pool of questions, so they're all sort of randomly drawn. And so the idea is although the first test doesn't count for marks, they're motivated to do it because it gives them a preview of the sort of Mm. questions they'll get Mm. in the one that does count for marks. Mm. And we know that if you ask people questions about a topic before they've even heard about it, they actually learn more effectively. Mm. And part of the reason is because Sometimes people think they know a topic and in psychology we often get that cuz you know people have the everyday experience of understanding the world and other people like it would be weird if you thought, I've got no idea how the world works or how other people work. So we all think we're pretty good, naive psychologists. And so one of the barriers we have is, is people coming in thinking they know it already. Yeah, right. And so we ask them some questions and suddenly they realize maybe they don't quite know everything, which is fine, a little bit confronting, uh, but then they're ready to actually hear about
0: those topics and learn more. And I think that brings me to the question. I try to imagine what it must be like for them signing up, enrolling to your course in psychology and then rocking up at that first session and then spending the first session actually talking about learning and how they learn. Is that surprising to them? And how does being exposed to a different way of learning throughout the semester, how, how do they react to that? I
2: think it's not a way they normally experience the start of a course – the description of the course that we put online when they enroll actually starts off talking about exactly the same thing. So we kind of start from the very first point of contact, having this conversation with them about the sorts of you know principles we've used in the course and the, the reasons why we're doing it. So hopefully when they turn up to the first class, they're not too surprised uh, and they seem to like having the week where not much is at stake. like they're not learning course content, so the pressure's not on on that front we're giving them a lot of uh, opportunity to practice the sort of tasks we're going to ask them to do we do that in class and give them feedback and then we have that sort of high level discussion about the whole logic of why we're doing all of those things
1: really interesting but let's get to this film documentary that's what i really would like to talk about in one of your courses you have students learn alongside a, a film documentary how does it work So
2: we filmed an eight-part, well, it's a crime drama, and uh, so...
1: We we have to just repeat that, it's a crime drama.
2: It is, yeah, and so it starts off with a murder, and students get to see sort of what leads up to the murder, and then um, when the the victim's discovered, and that's really where the course picks up. And so we've got, uh, for every episode, it covers a particular part of the case, from the murder through the investigation, all the way through to the trial. And in each of those episodes, we have some uh, lectures where we go through the research that is all about those topics. And so the students follow the investigation, both from, in a narrative sense, but also in terms of the research. How did you do it? We did this through... The university had an effort to develop courses for an online course delivery platform, a MOOC platform so oh. for these... No. Which is a massive online open course platform. And so this was our mechanism of getting some support for... I was worried that you are going to press that <laughs> buzzer. This is our mechanism for getting some support to develop something like this because we couldn't have done it mm. otherwise. Mm. And so we put together a film crew, we hired some professional actors and we also got uh, a large number of volunteers. Now, to be honest, we couldn't have done it without uh, a significant number of people who just did it because they liked us at the time i don't know that they still like us but <laughs> and did you enjoy it did you enjoy the process it was it was uh yeah we did we learned a lot and it was pretty full-on it was mm. sort of eight days or 15 hour days um, wow. trying to make uh this crime drama around the university so we found all the locations on campus but also we ended up uh, over at cooper at a gym as well and filmed some stuff there wow. so it, we had a lot of uh, meetings with a scriptwriter where we talked through the sorts of topics we were going to cover in the lectures beforehand, and then we worked out how the
0: episodes would sort of match those topics. How does it work for the students? So they first get to see an episode, and then you take that up, or does it go the other way around? At the end of the first class, once we're finished talking to them about learning, we
2: actually watch the first episode together, and that's when they see see the murder and you know see who the the, the possible suspect might be Uh, and so we sort of start talking to them about who they think might be the perpetrator what they think might happen next and then they go away for the next week and at any point in that week they watch the online lecture videos that talk about uh, the what's happening in that first episode so the first one's all about profiling whether profiling works and whether it helps you find perpetrators or not. Uh, So there's a number of lectures on profiling and then we give them a question. So they have the question for the whole week. It's a short answer exam style question where we ask them to critically evaluate the research on profiling about whether it's, you know, to, to answer the question whether it's effective or not. When they turn up for the second class, they've got about half an hour to write an answer. So everyone writes their own answer in class about that. And what that means is everyone's ready then after that to work together in groups for the remainder of the class because everybody's prepared and has... Watch the videos and have spent some time thinking about the videos because they've had to answer this question in mm. class.
1: It must be quite an exciting experience. They, they must be desperate to know who done it and... Well
2: they they do, they start to generate lots of theories about um, who's done it, you know, and and we have lots of discussions about that as well. I mean it might be a little bit cruel but we actually have four different endings to the drama Excellent. and so as they sort of develop their theories and we talk through who they think has done it, we like to try and surprise them a little bit at the end and say we will Pick an ending that they might not
0: be expecting. Wow. That's interesting because when I was thinking about okay, there's a there's a crime drama over eight episodes that 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 kind of locks you in as a teacher, right? Because you can't kind of go back and re-edit but you have flexibility around how that drama evolves?
2: Uh, With the final episode we do. Well I mean we have actually gone back and re-edited the ending because of that Um, so we actually got some of the actors back a couple of years after we'd filmed the drama and just recreated a couple of the key bits to be able to change the whole narrative in the last few episodes. Wow.
1: It's like Cluedo for psychologists basically. That's Mm. right. In, In terms of course design getting on to the bigger picture, you have all these wonderful things within a variety of different courses Seb was telling me that you
0: overhauled your courses recently and as a whole, for me you are the kind of guy who has gone and just overhauled entire courses, right? Yeah, I tend
2: to take a fairly dramatic approach to um, course change. Like I uh, I totally understand that it's often more pragmatic just to pick on particular topics or assessment tasks, but uh, mm. I don't seem to be able to do that. So in my first year class, I pretty much completely revamped it as well um, after we'd done this one using similar principles. Mm. And so... You know, we went and converted all the lectures into online lectures as well, but we had a lot of um, demonstrations and examples of some of the classic experiments so that people could actually experience them firsthand as as much as you can. Mm. And we also relied a lot more on people predicting what will happen in those sort of classic studies before we tell them. You know, the whole idea is to get people actively engaged and to get them using
0: information rather than just trying to learn it. As someone who I think most of us will have had situations you all of a sudden are told you have to teach a different course, you inherit a course from someone else and the question always comes up, do you kind of just take what is already there and do then after a while do incremental changes and it changes over time or do you actually use that opportunity which usually is very rare and actually only most likely to happen once you take on a new course to actually say, okay, let's be creative, let's think in, in very different ways broad design terms about that so if someone were to take that on as a task how would you recommend they approach this to be bold to be really catering towards the learning and to be creative
2: in principle it's a really good idea and i'd encourage people to do it but being pragmatic it does take a lot of time and a lot of resources so like if i look back at the two courses we've done this with we had a lot of support from the university financially but also in people's time so i think if it was you know, down to an individual, and particularly if you're early career, I I would be sort of pragmatic about it and seeing if it is exactly the right time to do it. It doesn't mean you can't do it later and you can't put some pieces in place. So with my first year course, I'd been teaching it for uh, about 10 years before I did this radical overhaul. During that time, Uh, I hadn't figured out how I could do something like this with a course that had 1,300 people in it. And so it was about three years after we had overhauled the second year psychology and law course that I decided to finally do it. And it was because I'd been trying out a few different pieces of the puzzle along the way. And then I thought actually, you know, it is going to work. So we'd been trying putting some more stuff online so that students could do some self-paced learning. Uh, I tried more progressive assessment, and that seemed to be working well. Uh, And we tried a few other little bits and pieces, uh, and it was just working out what the sticking points might be, and then we just sort of flipped the switch and just decided, no, we're going to put in for a a fellowship, got some money, uh, and actually got some support then, and just completely... Revise the whole course.
1: I've overhauled my course, my third year course, for the first time, and it has been a process of thinking about it for a long time before taking the plunge. Seb's always much braver than me with these things. I'm much more of an incremental guy, so I want to ask an incremental change question, which is if you want to just add a little bit into your course at that front end in terms of teaching students about how they learn what would your advice be? Would it be something you could put in easily to a week one lecture or a week one activity that would just help the process?
2: You know, it is important to have that conversation with students, but I think also the essential part is that you then design your course so that it encourages those behaviours. Because often the things we want them to do are not the easiest things to do, like studying every week, practising that harder thing of recalling Information, not just recognition. You know, these things, things that people tend to avoid because it feels hard to do and it feels like you're not learning. So you really do need to not just have the conversation, but set up the context that will facilitate those sorts of behaviors as well. Reinforce it repeatedly. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Mm.
0: Excellent. Well, Blake, it's been phenomenally insightful and also like very nicely and sensitive towards you know people need to be aware where they're at in their careers if they want to take certain things on maybe not do the big thing right away get the groove and the feel and the vibe for a course and the students and then go for the bigger redesign or be bold and try it out straight away but wonderful um, aspects that you've covered here thank you so much for coming in
2: no problem thanks for uh, asking me along
0: If you've heard anything you liked and
1: you want to engage with us further or you want to uh, discuss how you participate in your courses in relation to anything that you've heard, you can contact us and read more
0: via our Facebook page or via Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and we're looking forward to having your company again soon.